Tonight we will be in both 2 Kings and in 2 Chronicles, studying the parallel accounts uh, that are given to us here. But we go back to 2 Kings, sometime back we saw this, we saw this in 2 Chronicles, but then 2 Chronicles put some other stuff in there that 2 Kings didn't have. And so now we've come to it in 2 Kings 18, 9 through 12, which is the fall of the northern kingdom of Israel. It was in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, that is the seventh year of Hosea, the king of Elah, king of Israel, that Shalmaneser, the king of Assyria, went up to Samaria, laid siege to it. They captured it at the end of three years, and in the sixth year of Hezekiah, which is the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Israel, Samaria was captured. In other words, the northern kingdom fell. Fell into the hands of Shalmaneser, of the Assyrians. The Assyrians were extraordinarily cruel. About like, about like today, I guess. They would uh, gather, they would raid smaller villages first according to historians. The weaker villages that didn't have any warriors to fight, they just had farmers and husbands. And they would go in with a pretty big troop of, of, of warriors, immediately take it over. They would, they would mistreat the women and children. Then they would take the men and start snipping off their bone joints with the fingers until there was nothing left, and then they'd take off the hand, they'd start on the other one. Somewhere in the process, the guy would die. Um, and they only did it for entertainment. They weren't really getting any, they knew they couldn't get any information out of these people because they were just common peasant people. But they always left one of the younger men, one of the more agile and athletic men, they always conveniently let him escape so that he could run like the wind to the next village and give them this awful account of what the Assyrians were doing. That's called terrorism. And they were frightened, scared to death of the Assyrians. Sometimes they would just vacate their village. They had no way of fighting those, those men, those armies. They would just vacate the village. The Assyrians were going to get whatever was there. Do the same thing to whomever they caught. And their method of operation was that when they took over a nation, they assimilated that nation into their nation, into their nationality, and into the nationalities of other nations they'd captured. In other words, it was their policy not to let a nation maintain its identity, its culture, its language. Uh, they were forced to intermarry. Uh, they were forced to adopt the culture of the Assyrians. Um, and so this goes on for quite a period of time. And this is what happened to the 10 northern tribes there in the northern kingdom. Now remember, we've been seeing this for quite some time. The northern kingdom, the inhabitants of the northern kingdom were extraordinarily wicked. They were idolaters. And you really have to understand, you have to study and, and try to understand 
the depravity of what goes into idolatry to understand what that simple word means when you see it in the Old Testament, idolatry. That carried with it an awful connotation, especially, well, for anybody, but especially for the covenant people of Yahweh. So Samaria fell. We saw that some weeks ago in Second Chronicles. And the king of Assyria exiled Israel to Assyria, settled them in Halah, in Habor, the Gozan River, and the cities of Medea, Medea. Because, now here's, okay, you can say, well, you know, they, they failed in this military campaign or their, their economy began to collapse and they became a weakened. Now, here's the bottom line. Here's, here's why it happened. Because they did not obey the voice of Yahweh, their God, Yahweh the great God, Yahweh Elohim, and transgressed his covenant. All that he had commanded Moses, the servant of Yahweh, and they did not obey, nor did they do his will. All right, transgressed his covenant. That goes back. The conditional part of the covenant, and we're going to see this sooner or later in Deuteronomy in our study on Sunday night. This, the, the conditional promise was you're in the land and the land will produce for you and you will prosper. This is the land that I've given to you. This land will, will, will be abundant for you, abundantly fruitful for you, and uh, you will succeed here as long as you are faithful to Yahweh, to me, Yahweh says. If you ever commit idolatry, you begin to worship other gods, you will lose the land. And that's what happened here with the Northern Kingdom. Eventually we'll see in this study before we get through both Kings and Chronicles, we will see that it also happened to the Southern Kingdom of Judah. And uh, through their sin, although it is still their land, their sin for a time caused the forfeiture of the land. Now that doesn't mean that, uh, for example, Jews in the southern kingdom, uh, many, it doesn't mean that they didn't stay there. Some were left there among the Jews in the time of Nebuchadnezzar. We'll talk about that later. But we must remember that uh, this, an important note here is that uh, the policy of the northern kingdom was to dissipate, was to, was to dismantle uh, to cause the absorption into other nations of particular nations. But it wasn't any of the tribes of the northern kingdom that carried the promise of the Christ. It was Judah. It was the seed of David. So in Hezekiah's time, we're going to see this tonight, God willing, but we won't see the outcome of it until the next time we come together. And I don't know when that'll be. Next time is Thanksgiving, be the next week, I guess. Uh, but we'll get right up to that tonight. And so this starts tonight with what happened to the Northern Kingdom. And then about 120 years or so separated from the fall of, 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 of Syria, of uh, the fall of Samaria to the fall of Jerusalem in Nebuchadnezzar's day. Here's why. They disobeyed God. They transgressed his covenant. God warned them, warned them through Moses. We'll see it in Deuteronomy. Uh, this is one of the last things Moses said before the children, that, that new generation crossed the Jordan River and Moses had to go up to the mountaintop and die. 
One of the last things he told them was uh, about the blessing and the cursing and the possibility of losing the land because of uh, disloyalty to Yahweh. Uh, So they transgressed and uh, Moses had commanded them, but they transgressed all of that. They did not obey the word of God. They did not follow the will of God. So we move from there in 2 Kings 18 and we'll look at the parallel account in 2 Chronicles 32 of how Sennacherib invades Judah. We're still talking about the northern kingdom of Assyria, I'm sorry, of Assyria who had just destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. They are the great fearsome power, fierce, just horrible people. They had, they had no moral gravity at all. I mean, they were, just, they were just terrible. They were heartless in the way that they treated people and in what they demanded of, and how they, what they did to the people. So this, this awful power, this kingdom that the whole world now is afraid of because of the way they have tortured and tormented and, and treated people and destroyed nations and took away cultures and took away languages uh, and took away the religions of, of, the other, of the other kingdoms and nations. They were ruthless in what they were doing. So now here they come toward Judah. We'll continue here in 2 Kings 18 to begin with, verse 13. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah, some years later, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, came up against all of the fortified cities of Judah and seized them. Now this was not Jerusalem, but these were those sentinel cities. You may recall that uh, Jehoshaphat, for example, because of he was, he did things, he was right in the eyes of the Lord and the people prospered and he took that prosperity and he helped the people with it. He built the economy and he also built sentinel cities and treasure cities so that uh, the kingdom could be protected from invasion. Well, during the time of Hezekiah's father, all of that was weakened and some of it was taken away. Hadn't been quite built back yet. So wherever they were, the Assyrians far outnumbered and were, were far better supplied for war than was the southern kingdom. So they come up against the fortified cities of Judah and seize them. So these are the cities that are on the path to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is the capital city. It's where the son of David, the covenant king, it's where the son of David was seated on the throne. It's, throne. it's, where, it's where the temple was. It's where the presence of Yahweh was. Uh, and so here they come and Hezekiah, the king of Judah sent to the king of Assyria to Lachish saying, I have sinned, withdraw from me, whatever you impose upon me, I will bear. The king of Assyria imposed upon Hezekiah, the king of Judah, 300 talents of silver, 30 talents of gold. Well, that pretty well would wipe out the economy of the nation. And so here's what he had to do. Hezekiah, he's buying off this king to try to keep him from coming in and taking over Jerusalem and destroying it. Uh, so he, he, he says, you know, I, I shouldn't have 
I shouldn't have acted so independently. What he's saying essentially is I should have been paying tribute to you all along. Let me pay my way out of this. Okay, so Hezekiah gave all the silver that was found in the house of Yahweh and all, and all that was found in the treasuries of the king's palace. He bankrupted himself. He bankrupted the temple. Uh, he took everything of value and gave it to the Assyrian king. At that time, Hezekiah stripped the doors of the temple of Yahweh and the thresholds which Hezekiah, the king of Judah, had overlaid, and he gave them to the king of Assyria. Now, this is the account in 2 Chronicles 32 of, uh, of, this same, uh, of this same event, verses 1 through 8. After these deeds of integrity, Sennacherib, the king of, that is, of Hezekiah, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, came, entered into Judah, and camped against the fortified cities. He planned to make a breach therein for himself. Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come, and his face was directed to wage war against Jerusalem. He took counsel with his officers, his mighty men, to stop up the waters of the fountains that were outside the city, and so then they assisted him. A large multitude gathered and stopped up all of the fountains and the stream that flowed in the midst of the land, saying, why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? He strengthened himself and he built the whole and built the whole breached wall and he raised it to the towers and outward to the other wall, reinforced the Milo, the city of David, and he made many swords and shields and he appointed officers of war over the people. He gathered them to himself to the square of the gate of the city. And he spoke encouragingly to them saying, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, do not be dismayed because of the king of Assyria and because of all the multitude that is with him because he who is with us is greater than those who are with him. And with him is an arm of flesh, but with us is Yahweh our God to help us to wage war uh, and to wage, I'm sorry, and to help us and to wage our wars. And the people relied on the words of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. So he has won the confidence of the people through the things that he had been doing up to this point. Uh, and the people are encouraged by what he's done and he's making preparation, uh, trying to prepare the people and the land for the further greater invasion of Assyria. So with all of that that had happened, Sennacherib threatens Jerusalem. So we go back then to 2 Kings 18. We pick it up with verse uh, 17. The king of Assyria sent Tartan and Rabsaris and Rabshakah from Lachish to King Hezekiah with an army of a great multitude to Jerusalem. And they went up and came and stood near the conduit of the upper pool, which is on the road of the washer's field. And they summoned the king and Eliachim, the son of Hilkiah, who was appointed over the palace, and Shivna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out to them. Rabshakah said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, So has the great king, the king of Assyria, said, What is this confidence that you have trusted? You have said, But words of the lips, counsel, and might are needed for war. Now on whom do you depend that you have rebelled against me? Now behold, you have depended upon the support of this splintered reed 
upon Egypt, upon whom a man will lean and it will go into his palm and puncture it. So is Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to all of those who trust him. So there's no need in trying to think that Egypt is going to help you. They're too weak. And if you say to me, we trust Yahweh, our God, is he not the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah has removed? He has said to Judah and to Jerusalem before this altar in Jerusalem, shall you prostrate yourselves? Now, and now wager now with my Lord, the King of Assyria. And I will give you 2,000 horses if you are able to supply riders upon them of your men. And how can you repulse one captain of the smallest of my masters and you rely on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? So he's daring him. He's trying to intimidate him. He's, you know, he said, I'll help you out a little bit. We'll just see. Uh, we'll just see how this all comes out if you want to really fight. Now, it continues. Now it is with other than Yahweh that I have come up against this place to destroy it. Now is it with other than Yahweh? Yahweh said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. Terrorists lie. They don't tell you the truth. You may not have ever guessed that. But these people have been this way all along. Elichin, the son of Hilkiah, and Shibna, the Jaw, Rabshika, please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it. Do not speak with us in Judean within the hearing of the people who are on the wall. Rabshika said to them, did my master send me to speak these words to your master and to you? Is it not to the men who sit on the wall to eat their dung and drink their urine with you? Well, that's pleasant. It's lunch break for these guys. Rabshika stood and called out in a loud voice in Judean. And he spoke and said, listen to the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. He intends for the Jews to hear him in their language. These threats, these blasphemies against Yahweh and, and how Yahweh cannot save them because no other God of any other nation has been able to spare a nation. And so listen to the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. So has the king said, let not Hezekiah deceive you for he will not be able to deliver you from his hand. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for so has the king of Assyria said, make peace with me. And he's talking to the people, to the soldiers. And come out to me and each man will eat of his vine and each man will eat of his fig tree and each man will drink the water of his cistern. In other words, I'll give you land, I'll make you prosperous. Until I come and take you to a land like your land, a land of grain and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of oil, yielding olives and honey, and you may live and not die. And do not heed, heed, do not heed Hezekiah, for he will mislead you, saying, Yahweh will save us. So here's this guy from Assyria, an official from the king, spouting off at the mouth in their native tongue so that all of the Jews will hear him say, your God's not going to save you. Hezekiah's a liar. He's a fool. Egypt's not coming. We could crush Egypt as easily as we wanted to. All you have to do is just come on out here to me and I'll give you land and I'll give you a, a, a farm and give you a living and everything will be okay. But don't listen to Hezekiah because he's out there saying that Yahweh is going to save you. Have the gods of the nations saved each one his land? 
from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamat and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvim? He exiled them, twisted them. Now, did they save Samaria from my hand? Pretty big question to the Jews in Judah. They're your cousins, they're your brothers. Did Yahweh save Samaria from my hand, says that king? Who are they among all the gods of the lands who saved their land from my hand that Yahweh should save Jerusalem from my hand? Well, it's pretty big talk, isn't it? And the people remained silent and did not answer him even one word. For it was the king's order saying, do not answer him. And Elihim, the son of Hilkiah, who was appointed over the palace and Shibna, the scribe and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came to Hezekiah with torn garments and they related to him the words of Rabshakeh. Okay, so here's the account in 2 Chronicles 32, beginning of verse 9. After this, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, sent his servants to Jerusalem and he was besieging Lachish. All of his staff was with him to Hezekiah, the king of Judah, all the Judeans who were in Jerusalem saying, so said Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, in what do you trust that you stay in the siege in Jerusalem? Is not Hezekiah enticing you to give you over to die by famine and thirst saying, Yahweh, our God will save us from the clutches of the king of Assyria. Did not he, Hezekiah, remove his high places and his altars and say to Judah and Jerusalem saying, before one altar you shall prostrate yourselves and upon it you shall burn incense. And you see how they twist the truth. He, indeed, he tore down those high places, but they were high places to false gods. And indeed the command was, you go back and we go back to the temple like we were told to do uh, in the law, in the Torah, and this is where the center, the, the, the center of our worship is because it is there that we offer our sacrifices to Yahweh. It is there we deal with sin and it is there we offer the burnt offering. It is there Yahweh has said he would meet us. So you see, this, uh, this spokesman for the Assyrian king is twisting everything that had happened. Do you not know what I did and my forefathers to the gods of all the lands? Could the gods of the nations of the lands save their land from my hand? Who is it among all the gods of these nations whom my fathers destroyed that could save his people from my hand that your God should be able to save you from my hand? And now let Hezekiah not deceive you and let him not entice you like this and do not believe him for no God of any nation or kingdom could save his people from my hand or from the hand of my fathers. Surely your God will not save you from my hand. And his servants spoke further against Yahweh God and against Hezekiah, his servant. And he wrote letters to blaspheme Yahweh, the God of Israel, to say about him saying, like the gods of other nations, which did not save their people from my hand, so will the God of Hezekiah not save his people from my hand. And they called out with a loud voice in Judea to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to frighten them and to terrify them so that they might seize the city. And they spoke of Elche, the, the God of Jerusalem, as though he was like the God of the peoples of the land, like he was 
just some other God. And he was the handiwork of man. Now we're going to stop there. We're going to stop at the worst part because the best part is about to follow. Uh, and we need time for uh, deacon prayer. So, so we'll, uh, we'll stop right there and sort of seethe on the horrible words of this Assyrian king, but helps a coming.